Welcome to the Arate Podcast, the podcast created to help senior executives and the organizations they lead live up to their full potential. Join us for cutting-edge interviews with leading senior executive and board members across all industry sectors and for practical tips to accelerate your executive career. And now, here's your host, Richard Triggs. Well, hi, Scott. Welcome to uh, the Arate Podcast. And I think uh, you have the, uh, the grand title of being the first and only person that not only has never been interviewed for a podcast, but has never actually listened to a podcast on my podcast. So uh, that must feel a bit weird for you, but uh, I'm sure it will all work out fantastically well. Why don't we just begin, Scott, just tell us a little bit about, you know, what's your current professional responsibilities? Okay, so uh, current uh, professional responsibilities, I'm the Associate Director of Thunderbox Industries. So Thunderbox Industries is fundamentally a manufacturing company, and we, uh, we have a number of different brands out there, but we, we sell directly to retailers, uh, no direct sell, but um, my day-to-day responsibilities are really looking after the direction of the company. Right. And so um, just give us a sense of the size of the business, the types of products you're manufacturing, you know, the, the, the scope of it all. Yeah. So Thunderbox um, now employs about 110 people. So we've grown, we, we started off with about four people in 2002, currently running at a, about 110. And our, our product range, we are predominantly um, based in toolboxes. Now, when I say toolboxes, it's vehicle um, specific at right. this stage. So more so the back of utes, um, trucks, you know, the underbodies of trucks, mm-hmm. this type of thing. Okay. We're certainly looking to uh, diversify into things like uh, mechanics boxes with roller drawers and, and, and the, uh, the likes. But um, in more recent years, we've diversified into other trade products. So we, we offer a range of trestles, of saw horses, uh, we also um, actually supply uh, tent pegs too. Oh, yeah. And it, in, the, in the current market is, is uh, just an absolute roaring product. <laughs> so yeah, a, a product that you would never think uh, could possibly be made in Australia. Right. But made out of 100% Australian steel and 100% made. So we're pretty, uh, pretty proud of that little project. Uh, good idea. And so how did that uh, little eureka moment come to you? Uh, was it a, a 3 a.m.? Oh, I've suddenly got this great <laughs> idea. Or how, did that, how did that happen? Um, it's a funny thing, you know, we're lucky enough to, because we manufacture in Australia, we're lucky enough that we get uh, quite a lot of visits from our customers. So, you know, it, it really opens their eyes up. And I think it, traditionally they are dealing with a, a lot of manufacturers out of Asia and, and you know, all around the world, but, uh, but we're really at their doorstep. So mm-hmm. quite often they'll come in, uh, you know, and they're always very interested in the, in the manufacturing process. Uh, they might, you know, they, in this particular situation, they saw one of our presses and, uh, and they said, is that how they make tent pegs? And not knowing how they make tent pegs, I said, of course, that's how they make tent pegs. Um, and, and it just rolled on from there. So we, you know, we, um, we, we picked up a small part of the business and it actually, you know, it's, it's really growing quite quickly now. And, and it's, okay. a, it's a, in fact, a very simple product, yep. but something that is, uh, you know, it's with such a, a strong camping um sort of pastime for australians right. as well as you know i think people use them in the gardens especially at the moment with it with a lot more focus on on diy and and, and gardens and, and people 
doing a lot of work around the house. It's a, mm. it's a product that's going incredibly well. Mm. Yeah, it's funny. Um, so I, I just I went yesterday to the Logan Tree Farm because I'm planting out my garden with um, uh, native trees, and they just said they have never ever been busier. Uh, all these people, yeah, as you say, sitting around, they've got time on their hands, bit of money in the bank. Um, yeah, get, uh, do the garden, go camping, uh, and so all of the, your products uh, because I looked on your website, so. You're obviously not just a manufacturer out of steel. You've got other products that are non-steel, correct? That's right. So, so traditionally it was just steel. Yeah. And that's that's really you know in in the early 2000s that's really all that was in the market. So, right. the galvanised toolbox, which is really the entry level for for products, uh, was was all that was in the market. Um, from there, we grew the market into aluminium, which has become incredibly popular. Uh, amongst the, especially amongst the trades. Yeah. So, you know, I think everyone can appreciate, you, you see every tradesman now is not, or tradesperson's not getting around in, a, in an old belted up ute. They all have, you know, very flash cars and, and, uh, and the toolboxes on the back are just as, as important as the badge on the vehicle. So, um, so we diversified into aluminium. Uh, from there, about seven years ago, we, we started um, introducing uh, plastic products. Mm-hmm. So that's in the in the rotor molded range, and what that did for us is that really opened us up outside the, I guess that that trade uh, orientated product. So all of a sudden we were able to break into a recreational market. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean that certainly that they are used in the construction industry, but you know if you're going camping, if you're going fishing, if you're going boating, uh, really the plastic is a great choice. So it mm-hmm. it certainly opened up our customer base. Okay, fantastic, yeah. and. Um... And this is a business that was founded by your parents, right? It was, absolutely. Right. And how long ago was that? So 2002. So the, the, the background of, of, uh, of that is, is my parents were always in manufacturing from the time. I think, uh, I think my father's about to have his and mother's about to have their 50th anniversary in, in manufacturing. Okay. So they, um, they started life uh, making uh, concrete barbecues and incinerators. Mm-hmm. In their in their early twenties, from there they they grew into garden sheds. Um, now in in I think a, a, about nineteen ninety eight or two thousand they sold the business uh, to a Kiwi company called Versatile. Um, but at that time they were manufacturing in in Europe. They were manufacturing in uh, in New Zealand, and then they had a plant in Australia. Great. So and so they were pretty very pre- prevalent in the, in that industry. Right. And was it a just the two of them, or did they have other business partners as well? No, always, always just the two of them. Wow, I tell so you, it, like, it, uh, keeping a marriage together for fifty years is incredible. Keeping a marriage together where you both also work in the business, you know, that's uh, that's Olympic gold medal stuff. Yeah, well, well, as certainly as, as kids around the dinner table, there was obviously a lot of talk about uh, <laughs> about garden sheds and exciting things like that. So even as kids, I think we're at the forefront of of technology with garden sheds. Oh, fair enough. And uh, mm. do you have uh, uh, brothers and sisters? I do, mate. I've got uh, I've got two older sisters, uh-huh. uh, both uh, both registered nurses. Okay. Yeah. So, so, well, I think it was interesting. They don't have a, a great deal to do with the business, but um, I think they always assume that it was just my mother, father, and I 
hit, you know, out the out the factory, knocking you know two or three toolboxes together right. by ourselves. So they're they're a little taken when they when they visited about two years ago, right? Uh, which was honestly one of their first visits in twenty years, uh, just to see the the scale of of what we do. <laughs> <laughs> and they uh, suddenly their eyes lit up, and they went, "Oh, maybe I uh, I need to be nicer to my parents." That's, uh, yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. And so when you were. Uh, you know, a kid and you're going through high school, was the intention always that you were going to work in business with your parents or did you want to do something else when you grew up? Yes, yeah, certainly not. Uh, it was, there was never any pressure for me to, to be part of the business. And, and I, the business had launched while I was in my final year of high school. And, um, and it, you know, that was, the, you know, I went off and, and I worked there and pretty much the, the first couple of years of Thunderbox, it was staffed by you know myself and my mates that were at uni, right. uh, sort of sort of part time, you know, just a, a half a dozen people and, and a couple of full timers, and and that's really how it got kicked off. Um, I actually then left and and became uh, a carpenter and a builder, okay. and spent um, quite a f- few years in there. Uh, and so, then so in, in about you, sorry, Scott. So what did you study at uni? I, I didn't. So I was I was going through as a as an apprentice oh, uh, carpenter okay. at the time. Sure. Um, so, but but in all my spare time, I'd I'd be uh, knocking toolboxes up. Right. And ba- and back then it was pretty rudimentary. So we you know we didn't don't have a uh, didn't have any automation like we have today. Yeah. Um, and so then you uh, and so you went off and you pursued being a builder. I did. Um, uh, working for yourself or for others? Yeah. So for myself, I I became a, a sole trader. Okay. And uh, I, I re-entered the business in uh, 2012. Right. And so what, yeah. um, what motivated you to come back into the business? I think I've always really been interested in the engineering side. I mean, outside, um, you know, as a vertically integrated company, we build all of our own machinery. You know, we obviously design the products, but we design, engineer, build the machinery. And that's really something that, that I've always, been drawn to i've always been really interested in cars and building engines and mm-hmm. and working on anything mechanical mm-hmm. uh so i i certainly always had a uh was was sort of lured towards it little did i know though when i got when i got drawn back into the business in 2012 and and there was certainly no pressure it was my decision you know i really started right at the bottom so i, I worked on a um on a profiling machine called the turret punch for about 12 months and then and then worked my way up from there <laughs> and uh and was the intention because as we discussed just prior to hitting record uh, essentially you are as an associate director running the day-to-day business now mm. do you think it was your intention coming back in i'm coming back in because i will be running this business or was that not in your mind at that time no that, that wasn't in my mind at that time obviously i think with with everything you do you set yourself goals and and i obviously aspired to be running the business i've always uh, thought incredibly highly of of how my parents have conducted themselves in business mm-hmm. um and and really it was just an opportunity for me to work with them and and learn from them and and uh you know take take on a lot of what regardless of what i did in the future right i think you know working alongside of them i knew that i was going to pick up things that i could use for the rest of my life right so the so uh, nine years or so ago, when you came back in, mm. you, you came back in going, okay, I'm going to be on this um, this punch machine for twelve months, <laughs> but I'm but I'm here because I'm here to, to end up running the business. That's yeah. Well, for, for me, I, I, that's that's what what I aspired to do. But right. so there was certainly no promises and no pressure. Yeah. 
uh, it was, you know, it was really organic how it grew in the end. Right. You know, I mean, the business was was much smaller then. So, you know, I've been involved in, in a lot of the growth between then and now. And I think also uh, having me in the business really gave my parents a bit more energy as well too. So it was, it really ended up being a great synergy for the three of us yep. um, to, to really grow the business. Okay. And, and, and so at that, uh, um, over the last nine years, as the business has grown, have you done any sort of uh, business, you know, formal, you know, education or courses or because obviously as your roles evolved and the business has grown and so on, um, you know, it, it becomes much more than about whether you can punch a straight hole, right? So Absolutely. Have, have, have you in that period gone in and done some um, personal development work like that? Yeah, nothing formal, Richard, as, as far as business goes. Um, that's all, all sort of been, you know, self-taught and, and taught with the, the people. We're lucky enough to have some, obviously, some other great contacts in business, which I uh, spend a lot of time with and, and, and learn from. Most of my learning has been in the engineering side, so... Uh, you know, as a smaller business, we've got to wear a number of hats. You know, you'll take the sales hat off and, and then you'll be in the engineering side, driving the engineering team to, uh, you know, to get the most out of this new machinery we're building. So certainly I, I, I went and did a lot of uh, training in things like, uh, you know, engineering, 3D modelling, um, uh, um, machine control, that type of thing. So really in the automation uh, side of things. Okay. As a, as a manufacturing business, I mean, that's, that's it. And especially in Australia, mm-hmm. automation is a huge drive for us. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, my, my, one of my biggest roles up until I guess the time that I took on more of a, a senior management role was in that automation side of things. Right. Um, and what about your parents? Um, it sounds like they've, you know, uh, studied through the, the school of hard knocks, as they say, at, at any point, did your dad go back to uni or, or really it's just kind of developed um, organically, as I think you said earlier? Yeah, no, all self-taught, all right. self-taught. So okay, like, I think, awesome. like you said, I, I mean, we're certainly, uh, we're certainly not um, an academic family, but what, one thing we don't lack is enthusiasm and energy. Oh, that's uh, excellent. Well, uh, I can tell you there's a, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot to be said for going to university, but then I think a lot of people think that, you know, going to university is the same as, you know, running a business. I can tell you right now, having run my business for 12 years, uh, it is not for the faint-hearted. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Absolutely so, not. So, Scott, in the last nine years, if you think back over that time, are there any particular milestones or anything that happened and you go, wow, that, that was a really pivotal moment in the business, you know, that, that, that substantially changed? I mean, obviously, um, COVID has been for your business, mm. as many businesses, but before we get to that, you know, um, what, what, what's happened over that nine-year period that you're most proud of? As an individual, I, I guess my, the thing I'm most proud of would be my sort of my first big product range that, I was 100% involved with, mm-hmm. uh, and and that was really the plastic. Now that was we as a business already knew how to make things in steel, and and from my my parents' previous learnings with garden sheds, um, you know that we we could do anything in steel or aluminium in sheet in sheet material. Mm-hmm. We could bend it any shape. We could we we knew the technology fairly well, and we could 
we, you know, we, we, we knew our way around uh, that really well, as well as our, obviously our incredible team that had been built around that industry. Um, so moving into plastics was really a bit of a step in the dark. So it was, it was you know, learning all new technologies, uh, bringing in the way we decided to do it was, you know, we had to build all our own tooling. We had to learn the best way for it to be thermally efficient. So there was, there was an awful lot of science that went into it and an awful lot of investment um, because, the, you know, the machines for, for plastic production are, are quite extraordinary and, and the amount of tooling required is quite extraordinary compared to um, what you see in sheet metal. Mm-hmm. So I think getting that off the ground and just seeing the success and, you know, it makes up a, a really large portion of our business now and continuing to grow, uh, that's probably, you know, one of my greatest uh, milestones earlier on. You know, I think as I think as you can appreciate, uh, Richard, and you know a lot of people in business, quite often, you know, that there's always challenges that we're always we're always climbing a mountain. So uh, I think you know, not too often you stop and look back and reflect, but um, no doubt along the way there's been a huge amount of milestones. But that that particularly for me as a as you know as someone that that was really where I I proved my my uh, sure. myself on, on that particular product. Okay. And was that moving into that space another one of these uh, tent peg moments, you know, oh, or, or was it far more considered and, and you know, uh, planned out than that? Yeah, I think it was, it was something we were a little reserved to get into at the beginning, only because it was so uh, different to what we were currently doing. Mm-hmm. Now, we're, we're a business that doesn't. We, can, we like to control everything in-house ourselves. So mm-hmm. we weren't going to go and outsource the technology and outsource the fittings and outsource the you know, the construction, the building and sell the product, the, the way we do everything. Uh, and when you look through all of our products, you'll see that we make the handles, make the hinges, <laughs> you know, press all the material, do all the welding. We, we do 100% of it. Um, so it was something that because we were building boxes at the time, the opportunity was brought to us. So it had it was a it was a very considered decision because it was a, a big outlay uh, at the time. Um, right. But look, Back. I mean, it was it was a very good move for us, and it mm-hmm. and it's you know it's it's a uh, it's great to have that sort of diversity mm-hmm. in the product. And when you say it was an opportunity that was brought to you, do you mean one of your customers, you know, a Bunnings or whatever, came yeah. to you and said, "Hey, can you also build these?" Or did somebody with the technology come and say, uh, "Look, you could use, utilize this technology"? Was it was it um, supplier led or customer led? Yeah, so it was it was our customers that said, you know, listen, guys, would you like to have a look at this? Right. And I think I think the first thing we did is we went out and said, listen, we did some research for them and said we're not really interested, um, but these are the people that we think would would not let you down in Australia. These are the right. good Australian manufacturers that wouldn't let you down. And I think over the over the coming weeks, we sort of sat down and really got our head around and said, hold, hold on a second, we can do this. Yeah. So following a phone call saying, you know, listen, before you go out and, and, and uh, engage anyone else, please give us an opportunity. Mm. Um, and the great thing about working, you know, we've got incredible customers, is that you know if you get a commitment from them, um, you know they will follow through and they'll follow through from the, with volume too. Mm-hmm. You're not going in with, with a big upfront cost, not, uh, not knowing how much product you're going to sell. Mm. You know, they, they will give you a commitment that they will fill the stores with your product. Mm. Um, and, and most of the time that really helps to cover, mm. you know, that, that infrastructure and tooling cost to get it to market. Mm. And yet I imagine... Uh 
they must have a lot of downward pressure on pricing, and particularly, um, I, I, I imagine that there must be a premium to your product because of the fact that you choose to design, manufacture everything here in Australia versus doing it elsewhere. Although mm. we see, you know, uh, Corona's changed that world. But um, how do you how do you remain price competitive? Yeah, interestingly, we we are we tend to fight in the what's called EDLP, so everyday lowest price. Okay. So so we are not a we are not a we do have more premium ranges, but you know in our product range we start at entry level, and and we go all the way up to, to premium. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing work currently to to go uh, you know to go to the absolute best mm-hmm. uh, for some you know for trade specialists. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way we combat that is 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 automation. Mm-hmm. So we've got to be incredibly smart with with how we make the product, um, you know. And, and whenever we get into a product, it may not, we you know, it may not start. We certainly quote the product like we are. We have the automation, but it takes a long time to get some of these things on stream. Mm-hmm. So you know, for the first rollout or for the, you know for the first couple of months or six months, we we may be you know not making money or, or even right. losing a little bit of money. But we you know we we know the path we need to take to make sure. the product happen. But you know, there's always that 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 uh, that pressure to get it into the market as quickly as possible because right. the fact is, if 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 we say uh, if we say no, there's someone else that that will say yes. Sure. So mm. uh, so you paint this picture. Sort of, I'm imagining it's like the the swan that on the top of the water. It looks so yeah. calm, and underneath its feet are going crazy. So oh, well, we, exactly we right. can automate that for you, sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and we and we will. I mean, we 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 know at the end that we've got to. It's um. You know, to, we're incredibly passionate about manufacturing. Yeah. Um, there's no doubt it has challenges, um, and uh, and I think that's why over over you know countless decades we've seen the, the manufacturing mm-hmm. industry in in Australia decline. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, we're, we're certainly we wouldn't be in it if we weren't doing it in this country. Right. We're yeah, very passionate I, about that, and we will make it work one way or the other. I think it's fantastic, and and again. You know, I, uh, I run these um, champions forums and there's quite a number of CEOs in there have businesses where their products are made overseas. COVID, they've been stuffed. They, yeah. they simply can't get it into the country. So, uh, no, it's, it's uh, interesting. Yeah. And, um, and so now the business is continuing to grow. You're moving into new markets. You're moving into new products and so on. Um, are you, do you have an external board or do you have a, you know, a... a, a uh, a business coach or you know people that work with you at that level or it's still mum and dad and me that's that's really it like we've got a we've got an amazing team too you know we've got uh ben our operations manager is heavily involved mike our gm is heavily mm-hmm. involved um with all of the, all the decisions moving forward mm-hmm. uh but ultimately outside our team uh we, we really don't get any any further input Right. And, mm. um, you know, because I was making, I was having a bit of a laugh with you before. No, no you, you don't have a LinkedIn profile. No. You no. don't listen to podcasts. Uh, you know, it's, you've got this business. You don't have any kind of external board or, or coaches or anything like that. Is this all a conscious choice or is it, you know, are you, uh, you know, almost uh, an off the grid kind of guy in terms of I just want to be left to do my thing myself? with you know um with only my family or is it it, it because it's it's pretty different right yeah it is and, and i think um you know we we certainly try to reach out if we're going to do anything outsource we really try to reach out to to australian manufacturers but what you know what we've really learned is that that they really just don't exist and and certainly not in our 
uh, in our scale, in our, in our particular industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is certainly, don't get me wrong, some incredibly successful um, manufacturing companies in Australia, but they are very few and far between. Mm-hmm. So most of the people in our industry are really traders. Um, you know, they may have investment in, in factories in Asia and this type of thing, but, but, but I don't think are that savvy uh, on the actual complexities of, of running manufacturing businesses you know, in this country. Mm. Um, but certainly because we are vertically integrated and, and we're not buying off the shelf uh, machinery and this type of stuff. So we, we're, we're, we do a lot of bespoke in-house built automation. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really, you know, needs to come from within. And, we, and at the end of the day, we're, the, we're at the forefront of, of what we want to do and where we want to go with it. Mm. Um, but yeah, we really try to build the talent in-house, have the best megatronics engineers, you know, that, that are at the forefront of their technology, um, have the best fitters and turners, all that type of thing. Mm. Certainly, certainly as far as strategy and dealing with uh, the retailers, we've, we do deal with a, you know, a huge range of, of people dealing in the same industry. So I obviously have very open conversations um, with them regularly. And, and, and that's, that obviously makes a big, um, a big difference in the way, in the decisions that we make, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. so... I- uh, look, at, at the end of the day, the truth is the result, right? And, uh, mm. you know, it, it sounds like the business is going great games. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I think it's, um, it's certainly uncommon, you know, but, uh, but it's obviously working really well for you. And so when you look to the future now, you know, um, we're coming off the back of, you know, this pandemic. Hopefully we're going to have a vaccine soon and there'll be some potential return to a bit of normality. What, mm. what, are, you, what are you seeing as, you know, the future for the business, say, over the next five years or so? Yeah, so, so I think like I mentioned a little earlier, we're, we're really we're developing a range at the real top end. So we're, for, forever we've, we've been uh, in the sort of the good, better um, range of products. Mm-hmm. Now we're really targeting the best range. So, uh, you know, and this is the, the ones that are, are, are selling for a much higher retail. There's obviously a lot more work in them, um, but it's a, it's a certainly a, a, you know, a market that, that we haven't at the moment focused on. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the reason we're able to do this is, is we've gone through a, quite, a, um, quite a large extension. So with everything in manufacturing, it's, it's, you're confined by your infrastructure all the time. So if, if you don't outsource, you are confined with, with the roofs you're under, with the machines you've got. Uh, and, and we've, um, we've really uh, put a lot, of, a lot of money into the business of, of recent and we've, we've extended our, our building by 50%, um, which has given us a much bigger floor plan, but we've also uh, got much more cubic space by being, being able to have much higher rackage, racking and storage. Um, We've invested heavily in some new automation, so some new robotic arms, uh, some new profiling machines, some new machines that we're building ourselves. So, um, and we've got some great opportunities, I think, in these really high-end ute boxes, but also in the category of, of the mechanic-style toolboxes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, there's, a, there's an awful lot of work in that, but um, again, we've been lucky enough to give, be given the opportunity by a great customer and... Um, and you know, we'll, we've uh, as soon as we can get that commitment, we'll be we'll be well and truly into that. Oh, good stuff. And do you envisage uh, having other manufacturing facilities, which might be elsewhere in Australia, or um, is that part of your sort of plans for growth, or not really? No, not at this stage. I think we're we're lucky enough to be in this crosshair of 
great highway. So it's mm-hmm. you know certainly servicing the east coast is is very straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, it is much easier. I mean, we we have over our growth period, uh, you know, moved outside one roof, and when when you've got a number of facilities and and you know in the same suburbs or just ten minutes down the road, and mm-hmm. it really does um, add a whole another layer of complexity and cost. Mm-hmm. So you know, our, our outlook ideally. Um, is to keep it all under one roof, or certainly on one site. Okay, but, but what, like anything, it's it is you're always constrained by your uh, by your infrastructure. Mm. And what about for you personally? I mean, uh, you're a pretty young guy, and you've been working back in the business now for nine years. Do you foresee, you know, like your dad, you know, you'll be in this industry and running this, or you know, a permutation on this business in forty years' time, or do you have other aspirations for yourself? Yeah, no, I, I certainly do. I mean, I, I am incredibly passionate about the the mechanical side of things. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I I love working with our team. I, I love I love the new products. I love uh, the new machinery and being on that forefront of technology. That's mm-hmm. I think where the real thrill is. You know, and and even outside work, I'm working on cars, motorbikes. Um, this type of stuff. So that, you know, I've got mechanical aptitude is, is probably one of my greatest strengths. Um, so, no, I, I certainly think something in, in manufacturing. I think uh, if, if we became a trader, I think it would certainly certainly take all the fun out of it. Right. A, lo- um, a, lot, of, a lot of the headaches, but, um, yeah. but, but a lot of the fun at the same time. And, and, and what about, you know, Mark and Colleen, uh, as you've sort of stepped up into this associate director role, uh, are they enjoying having a, a bit more freedom to uh, go and have a bit more fun? Yeah, I, I think they are. I mean, they're, they're the sort of people that have, that have really always lived to work. So, I mean, they, they certainly do go and have fun, but, um, but I think the enjoyment they, they get out of work um, is, is really what they live for. You know, I mean, they are, like I, I mentioned earlier, they've, the enthusiasm and energy. Now, uh, you know, Mark's, and they, well, they, they're both tipping over 70 now. Right. And, um, and, and, you know, they, they are still incredibly passionate about it. So, yep. and obviously have seen, you know, such a change over, mm. over the decades. And, and, uh, you know, that sort of knowledge just, you know, mm. you, you can't find elsewhere. They've, they've seen the, you know, they've seen the manufacturer. Well, certainly the, the, the whole world become a lot smaller where, you know, even the Australian hardware business used to be fragmented state by state, um, city by city, mm. uh, you know, and then, you know, and, and, and now the world is a much smaller place and it's, you know, we can communicate anywhere at any time and get product from anywhere incredibly easily, you know, in, in normal times. So, um, no, so they, they've got an incredible amount of knowledge, which, which I'm always sort of uh, leveraging off them to, to, uh, to use. Oh, that's but excellent. I was, uh, I was away with three of my friends from high school and uh, on the weekend, one of them's a male nurse, one of them's a landscape gardener, one of them's a lawyer and, and me, right? And uh, these guys are saying, oh, so Richard, when are you going to retire? So I don't think I'll ever retire. And, you know, <laughs> the nurse and the, the landscape gardener are like, how could you even think that you don't want to retire? And I suppose like your parents, you know, um, they've obviously created a, a business now that you're largely running the day-to-day. They can remain involved in, in the capacity they choose to. It's exactly what, right. they're, what they're passionate about. Why would you stop doing that just because you've hit a certain number? Exactly right, mate. Exactly right. 
And uh, Scott, um, uh, just before we wrap it up, you know, we've spoken quite a lot about business, about your background and th- so on and so forth. What, what's Scott like when he's not at work? I mean, I mean, you mentioned, I think, uh, your your wife's a real estate agent. You love doing up cars and motorbikes and so on. But, you know, what other things do you like to do to uh, keep uh, your, your petrol tank full for work? <laughs> uh, well, you know, we've got uh, – life has changed a, a little in the last um, – 18 months because Danielle and I have got a beautiful little girl called Charlotte oh, and, uh, and, and uh, I've also uh, got a little boy due in July. Right. So, you know, so certainly, certainly life has, has got a little quieter, but uh, you know, I, I um, certainly love the mechanical things, but also catching up with, with friends and family, yeah. uh, all that sort of thing. We do um, love to travel when we can, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, Mark and I are both motorsport fanatics and race cars and play with cars. And, okay. and every year we do a pilgrimage to a, you know, to another, to another Formula One track around the world and, and probably eat too much and drink too much. But, um, you know, c- quite often through trips like that, you, you come back with um, some ham- harebrain ideas and some, some good ideas. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, quite often it's really nice to get away and brainstorm and just reflect on, on what's happened, uh, you know, in the past and what's, what's, what's uh, happening in the future. Right, and uh, and so you're going to have two under two. Well, I'm going to have two under two, mate. Two you, under said, two. So like, you said life's <laughs> gotten quieter. I tell you what, it won't be quiet for long. No, no, no. But really enjoying fatherhood, and um, you know, I mean, this certainly the, the lack of sleep these days isn't from staying out, burning both ends of the burning <laughs> burning the candle at both ends. It's uh, it's it's from the kids. But no, yes. really, 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 really enjoying it, mate. Oh, that's excellent. Well, look, Scott, I really appreciate your time. Uh, uh, I'm sure my, our listeners will thoroughly enjoy your conversation and uh, have a fantastic afternoon. Yeah, thanks, Richard. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Arate Podcast with Richard Treeks. For show notes and other resources, please visit aratepodcast.com. While you are there, you can subscribe for future episodes so you can continue your own journey towards realizing your full potential as a senior executive. And please be sure to share this and other episodes with your friends and colleagues. The Arate Podcast is brought to you by the Experts On Air Podcast Network.